you can do better than that. Help me celebrate their lives. Help me celebrate their lives. Hopewell is a better place. Because of those individuals that we pause to celebrate their life. Mother Ivy was a member of Hopewell for over 90 years. She was 96 when she went home to be with the Lord. Still sharp. <laughs> Still in her right mind. It was maybe about three, four years ago that she just stopped cutting the grass. I went by the house. I said, Mother Stella Mae Ivy, how are you still cutting your grass? And I ain't never cut mine. And I, I, I am way younger than you are. And she just giggled, giggled and laughed. Over 90 years of service, every change, every shift that this church has taken, she's seen it. Miss Odessa served faithfully here at the well for many years doing whatever it is. No matter she had her, her, her apron on serving in somebody else's kitchen, she let them know that she was a member of the well. <laughs> and what can we say? See Jeffro, who this very ground that we sit on, even in the wheelchair, he made sure that these contractors in his own way were doing what needed to be done, making sure they stayed on time and on schedule. We're making sure that the building came together, a man who served in his own way. He meant what he said, he said what he meant. <laughs> well, then Sunday school, if you was wrong and you interpreted the scripture wrong, no matter if you was a teacher or whomever, he would correct you online and in person. <laughs> oh, man. Kaylin, who grew up, little boy, to a man here at Hopewell, I can... Picture him sitting in the back in his black and white on on second Sundays when the kids, the junior ushers, would serve. Miss Brenda, who I call Lethal Weapon, who was ready to take anybody out with that cane. Anywhere, anytime, in church, out of church, didn't make a difference. She was ready. She was ready to do it. She was ready to do it. Mama Odell, who was not just a mother here at Hopewell, but she was a mother of Carbondale. Dozens of preachers have sat at her kitchen table and ate, and ate well. <laughs> ate well, Miss Clara, ate well. Many of college students saw her home as a safe haven. Needed to wash their clothes, needed something to eat. Needed a place just to escape for a little bit. They found, they found comfort. God has blessed Hopewell with some amazing people. Some, yeah, 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 yeah. Some that have been gone for quite some time. He's blessed us with some great people. 
to help us to be able to continue the work. Help me praise God again, for we remember those. Come on, Hopewell. We remember them. Never will forget them. Years of service to the well. Listen, 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 listen. We have I just two more things that we're going to get to the word. One of our church mothers is celebrating her birthday today. Yes, she is. And she made it known because she came in looking good, nails done, had all. She said, hey, I'm going in bright in the name of Jesus today. So they are going to know that it's my birthday. I tell you, Mother Albert has been a member of Hopewell all of her life from the womb up until now. She has been a member of the well, and she has served and served and served and served. Quick story. Y'all know I have a story for everything. It was back when I first came to Hopewell. I was volunteering at the I Can Read program at the Irma Hay Center, and uh, Mother Albert was over at Addicts Community Services at, the, at that time. She was the executive director, and so she stayed with snacks. She stayed with just candy, cookies, all that types of stuff in her office. And so people would go in there, and they would buy. She had little baggies mixed together with different candies and cookies and stuff like that. So I said, hey, I was a little checking my pockets. You know, there was no cash app then. There was no cash app. You either had cash, check, or whatever. You know, there was no cash app, no, no Apple Pay, none of that stuff. And so I was a little short that afternoon. And so I said, surely Mother Aubrey is going to hook the preacher up and just, you know, show me a little grace, give me something on credit. I pay her the next day. And I went there in the office. I said, I said, well, good afternoon, Mother Auburn. Hey, minister, how you doing? We just talking and, and, and dialogue. I said, I can't give me a few snacks or whatever. I get the stuff. And so I'm getting ready. We just still talking, still talking. So I'm thinking I done, I'm making my way towards the door. I'm making my way towards the store. She said, well, minister, make sure you have a good day. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, no, that's going to be a dollar and 50 cents. I said, mother, I'm a little short today. I said, can I catch you on tomorrow and she started giggling and laughing but she made sure I gave her that dollar and 50 cents the next day though she made sure of that so we celebrate you today mother just a token of our appreciation help hope well, help me praise God for mother Dolores May Alexander Albert come on we can do better than that month this month has been made nationally as clergy appreciation month and i am so honored i am so blessed we are so blessed um, to have some amazing associate ministers that serve here at the well yes come on men and women of god who serve faithfully here at the well that are not chasing the mic, but they're looking for an opportunity to be able to serve i'm going to ask elder corey to come up and minister lynn to come up as well we celebrate them today we value their work we appreciate their work, their steadfastness, their commitment to God, their commitment to their, to their families, their commitment to Hopewell, and we honor you. We appreciate you. I honor you both. I appreciate you. I got something for Elder James. She's not here today. I, I just appreciate your willingness to just do whatever. You're not looking for accolades. You're not looking to be recognized. You're not looking um, to do any of those things, but you just want to be able to serve. And so we value that. We appreciate that. We, we thank God for you. Minister Lynn, I tell you all the time, I've said this privately, I say it publicly, your heart for God's people is, is amazing. 
your capacity to be able to walk with people at the highest of their lives and at the lowest of their lives. There are pastors that, do, that don't do pastoral care well, but you are top notch when it comes to pastoral care. Being there with people, walking with people. I mean, you're just the mother to anybody that you come in contact with. It's just natural to you. So we appreciate you. Elder Corey, I thank God for you, sir. Just your, your, your heart, your heart to do uh, whatever. Your heart to always looking at what what you can do to help me carry the load. And I appreciate that, man, more than you will ever know. I appreciate that. The heart that you have for our kids, the heart that you have for our youth, the heart that you have for our teenagers and making sure that, yeah, they have fun, but that they know who God is and your desire for them to be able to go back to their schools, go back to their families, and, they got, and that God uses them to be able to transform those places of influences mean so much. So we thank God for you both. We love you both. And there's nothing you can do about it. Hope, well, come on and help me praise God for our associate ministers. I don't know if you want me to hug. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Know what to do. Amen. Come on, praise God for him one more time. Amen. Let's get to the word of God. Let's get to the word of God. Let's get to the word of God. Father, we thank you right now for your grace, for your goodness, for your kindness. 119 years, God, you've been good to us. At our highest, you've been good to us. At our lowest, you've been good to us, God. In transition, you've been good to us, oh God. When everything has been consistent and steady, you've been good to us, God. So the testimony can be summed up in saying that for 119 years, you have been mighty good to Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church. We thank you for every pastor. We thank you for every member. We thank you for every individual that has been touched by the ministry of the well, the countless lives that we are still reaching, the countless lives that we are still impacting. We thank you for it. It's been by your grace and your mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Journey with me, you don't have to stand, to Nehemiah chapter 1. Two passages of scriptures I want to deal with this morning. Nehemiah chapter 1 and 1 Chronicles 12 and 32. Nehemiah 1 and 1 Chronicles 12 and 32. What can be said after 119 years of being in existence? What words do we proclaim? What moves do we make? What charge do we have after 119 years of ministry? Today, I want to challenge us. I want to charge us. I want to encourage us. I want us to be convicted and remembering that the work continues. The work continues. 
One thing that I, if you don't hear anything else that I say, I pray that you remember multiple things that I said. But if you can't remember anything else that is said today, I want you to understand something that if we are not careful, that can really, that can really assassinate the future of the well, the future of what God desires to do, that can literally almost in some ways alter some things that we do and how we move if we are not careful in doing so. Here it is, saints of God. If we continue to have obsessions with yesterday's victories, they can potentially hinder tomorrow's progress. Let me say it again. We might get excited later on, but right now, I just want you to hear me. Obsessions with yesterday's victories can potentially hinder tomorrow's progress. Let me say it again. Obsessions with yesterday's victories can potentially hinder tomorrow's progress. Pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean this. God has allowed us to do some amazing things over these past 119 years. God has allowed us to be able to do ministry from southern Illinois down at the bottom in ways that city and bigger churches experience. God has allowed allowed us to do some cutting edge things. God has allowed us to be able to defy that you don't have to be in a large city to be able to do good ministry. That you don't have to have a big budget to be able to do big ministry. God has allowed us to be able to do things that some churches only dream about and think about in their entire existence but God has graced us over the years to be able to do some really, really, really awesome and amazing things but if we are not careful, if we are not careful, we will become so obsessed with living in yesterday's victories that we never leave room for tomorrow's progress. If we are not careful and we're always going back, oh, I remember when we had the sexual healing conference. Oh, I remember when we brought the lady in for girlfriends. Oh, I remember when we did this. Oh, I remember great preachers and speakers that we brought in. Oh, I remember when we had, when we went down to Cairo and did ministry down there if we are not careful we will stay in yesteryears and never move forward to what God wants to do tomorrow and we will miss what God is doing right now I'm preaching better than you're talking back to me this morning if we are not careful obsessions with yesterday's victories and accomplishments will hinder tomorrow's progress here, 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 here is where I've gotten to in a place as a pastor, as a leader, here is where I've gotten to where I feel confident in saying that I'm not going to allow unengaged, unsupportive non-given individuals to dictate the level of our ministry Okay, I'm going to say it again. But I've gotten to the place, and I hold tight to accomplish this, Mr. Preacher, that I'm not going to allow disengaged people that even through the pandemic have not shown up online, have not shown up in person, but have been a missionary and traveling all over the world spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, but they're too afraid to come to church to allow us to dictate, oh, there's a variant out. Maybe you shouldn't gather in person. I'm not going to allow people who have not given in any capacity to be able to make sure that we are able to extend our reach and bring in help to our city, restoration to our community, and hope to our world. But the whole city of Carbonell and Southern Illinois saw your name on that PPP list.
and I checked in and you ain't gave nothing to the church. I'm not going to allow those that want to live in the past. Oh, I remember when Pastor so-and-so in here and what we were able to do when the pews were packed and when this was going on to allow us to miss and to, and to allow us to miss and to not recognize how God is yet using us right now in this present moment that we've been able to reach California. We've been able to reach Texas. We've been in Georgia. We've been in Missouri. We've traveled all around impacting lives. <laughs> oh, obsessions with yesterday's victories can hinder tomorrow's progress. And I will even go further in to say that it will also, it will also taint our view of what we're doing right now. It will cause us to think we ain't doing nothing. It will cause us to think that we're not making an impact. It will cause us to think we got to do this. We got to have flashing lights. We got to have smoke screens. We got to have an LED screen. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things that we ask ourselves. What does God want to grace us to do right now? How does God desire for us to impact the world around us right now? I love the story of Nehemiah. You all know Nehemiah is probably one of my favorite passages and, and stories to be able to preach because it's, 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 it's packed with so much preaching power and the potential from leadership to, to, to ministry. I mean, just the whole full works. It's full of everything. But I love the story of Nehemiah because it shows us, really, it shows us as a church, as a ministry, me, as a leader, as a pastor, all of our leadership team. It shows us the posture that you and I should be in as when we come to realize that the work continues. It says here in Nehemiah chapter 1, 3 through 4, it says this, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard, when, when I, meaning Nehemiah, heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. I love the story. I love it because it shows the sincerity and the genuineness of Nehemiah's heart. It shows how his focus and his desire is on other people. It shows the burden that he has to be able to impact the lives of other people. And here is what I want us to be able to take away from the story of Nehemiah just from these, just, just from these few verses. And in fact, if I don't have time right now, but go back and just read Nehemiah chapter 1. Go back and read chapter 2. In fact, read the whole book because there's so much in there that will literally bless your life that you can be able to apply in some areas, major areas in your life. Here's the thing that I want us to be able to take from Nehemiah. Nehemiah found out that the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and something on the inside of him could not rest. Get it? Context. Nehemiah. It's the cupbearer to the king, which means he's inside, has access to the palace. Inside, he's on the, he's on, he has access to the palace. He's inside all four rounds around, all four walls around him are good and secure. He's safe. All is well for Nehemiah. 
He doesn't have to worry about the rain coming through the roof. He doesn't have to worry about the, on the, the inside being, uh, being haunted by the elements going on on the outside. But when he hears about the walls of Jerusalem being down, when he hears that the people of Judah are living in a condition that's not beneficial, something on the inside, Dr. Reed doesn't have any rest. My brothers and sisters, Nehemiah has a burden. Nehemiah has a burden that he cannot shout through. Nehemiah has a burden that he cannot praise through, that he can't dance through. Brother Michael, Nehemiah has a burden that he cannot give through. Nehemiah has a burden that keeps him on his face before God. Nehemiah has a burden that keeps him talking to God, trying to figure out why am I not restful when I hear about the walls of Jerusalem being down. Why am I concerned about the walls of Jerusalem being down? And not just get the sense of God, not just about the walls of Jerusalem being down. He is concerned about the lives of the people and the condition that they're living in because of the walls of Jerusalem being down. You have to understand now that the walls are down. They are vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. The living condition. Is not the best. People are living in conditions that's not suitable to live. I like the way, I like the way, I like the way Pastor Chris Wesley um, out, of, out of Dallas, Texas defines burden. He said we must be burdened by the conditions of the world around us. You and I must be burning by the conditions of the world that is around us. That you and I, we say that our vision here at the well is to bring help to our city, restoration to our community, and hope to our world. And here it is, saints of God. If we say that is our mission, if we say that is our vision, then we should be burdened when the conditions of our city are not suitable for the people to live. If we say, if we say that restoration to our community, if we realize that there is, that there is a disconnect in our community, that we should be burdened by the lack of restoration in our community. If we don't have a burden about the conditions of the world that surrounds us, and my brothers and sisters, I think we need to return to the altar and pray and ask God, why are we doing what we're doing? Because if we're here just to have a good time, if we're here just to have a good dance, if we're here just to give somebody a good virtual high five, we miss the whole entire point of our existence as a church. If we are not here to be able to draw man unto God, if we are not here, if we're not concerned about the world and the conditions of the world that surrounds us from our city to our community to our world, why are we wasting time? where we could be at home sleep huh Ooh, we, we could be we could be we could be at the buffet at st louis at the casino eating real good not gambling but eating at the casino they got good food there praise the lord if we're not burdened that just 
when we walk out the doors of our church and we turn left, that people have died, overdosed in those apartment buildings right there. If we're not burdened of the domestic violence that goes on in our community. If we're not burdened that in our school system, which is more than half black, that the teachers do not represent how our kids look. If we're not burdened by the political games that are being played. If we're not burdened at the conditions of the world that surrounds us, why are we here? What are we doing? What happened to the burden of the saints? Where our burdens, thank you, Holy Spirit, was not centered around our preferences, but centered around the mission of Christ. I'm so afraid now, I'm so afraid now, I'm so afraid now, especially with this virtual world that we're living in now. I get it, this hybrid world that we're living in now. We're so used to being in church an hour and a half, an hour, 15 minutes or whatever. I get it, I get it. It is adjustments that we have to make. I, I get it. Well, I, I don't believe that you have to be in church the, uh, for a long time. It don't take God to do what he wants to do. It doesn't take long for God to be able to do what he wants to do. However, I believe that when we come to the house of God, we should be sensitive to what the Lord wants to do, that we come in not with my preferences, not with my to-do list, not with my things of God. I need you to move by 11:10 because this pastor ain't done by 11:15. I'm putting up my church figure so I can be able to go and have brunch and go home and chill out and get it ready for the rest of the week. Please hear what I'm saying. Please hear what I'm not saying and hear what my heart, what my heart is saying. But we get sensitive to the place that we say, God, whatever it is that you want to do today in worship service, you know the needs of your people. You you know the hearts of your people. You know the desires of your people. And whatever you want to do, whatever you need to do, God, please do it. You know the world that we live in. You see the society that we live in, God. Whatever you desire to do in us and through us to prepare us and impact us for the world that we're going to go out to reach, do it, Father. Do it. I'm afraid that we have been more burdened by our preferences than we have about those things that concern God. I'm afraid that we've been more concerned about pleasing those that are in the pew rather than praying for a strategy of how we can be able to reach the lost. I'm nervous that we've been more concerned about what we need to do, what, how, 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 how we can be able to, how, how we can be able to engage, disengage people. But then trying to figure out how we can reach those that just need a little taste of Jesus and we can have them. What are you saying, Pastor? We got to pick our burden up. 
what are you saying, Reverend? We got to pick our burden back up, and our burden has to be, we we must be burdened by the conditions of the world that is around us, that we must be sensitive about the needs of those that are around us. We must care because here it is, saints of God, we must care about people. People is ministry, and ministry is people, and if we ever lose sight of that, we might as well close our doors up, turn these keys back over to First Southern and say, have what you want to do with the building because we're no longer in this thing about reaching Christ and reaching people. If we ever get to the place where we are so bougie as believers that we want to have, we want to decide on and have our preferences of individuals that walk through those doors. Oh, God, we have missed it. We must be concerned about the conditions of the world that is around us. I pray God help us to have a burden. God, help us to have a godly burden that's centered around you. God, help us to have a godly burden. God, help us to be concerned. God, help us to be mindful. Help us to be engaged. Help us to be, uh, 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 help us to be sensitive about the needs of the world that is around us. We're, we're going to continue to work, Hopewell. We got we to gotta realize that having a burden is necessary if we're going to if we're going to continue the work if we're going to continue the work if the work is going to continue adapting and adjusting and changing must be our new normal Ooh, I done made somebody bad already. If, if we are going to continue the work, if we're going to continue in bringing help to our city, restoration to our community, and hope to our world, then adapting, adjusting, and changing must be our new normal that we get comfortable with doing. Because the moment we fail to adjust, It's a quick grave that we prepare for ourselves as a ministry. The moment we fail to adjust and to adapt and to change is the moment that we will find our ministry on life support. Here it is, saints of God. We're not the same church that we were three years ago. And because we're not the same church that we were three years ago, that church can't be led in this moment. We have to embrace and lead the church that we have transformed into now. Let me say it again. We're not the same church that we were three years ago. Three years ago, we were in here with no mask. Three years ago, we were high-fiving. Three years ago, we were hugging. And then, bam! A shift happened that caused us a hard reset, that caused us to be forced to change and to adapt and to adjust. 
We had time to mourn over what the church was three years ago, but now we have to wipe our tears and get our boots on and get our mask on and be ready to be able to leave the church that we have become right now. Why? Because even in the pandemic, there are people that still need ministry. Even in the pandemic, there are people that still need Jesus. Even in the pandemic, there are people that still need to know that God still saves, that God still delivers, that God still heals, that even in this new era of church that we're in today, we are still called to bring hope to the hopeless. We're still called to go out to the lost. We are still called to do ministry that magnifies Jesus. And if we're going to do that, I love it. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 talks about a group of men. Uh, oh, let me go back. It talks about a group of people that are also included women that talks about the sons of Issachar. Bible says in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it says, From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All the men understood the signs of the time, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. I like what Mark Batterson says about the sons, the Issachar anointing. He says the Issachar anointing is both practical and prophetic, meaning supernatural insight, meaning that as believers of Jesus Christ, that we need to have spiritual discernment to, aid, to be able to discern what we need to do how we need to do it, and when we need to shift, when we need to adjust, when we need to adapt to be able to serve and minister to the context, the place, the atmosphere that God has allowed us to influence. The sons of Issachar were anointed. They were insightful. They knew what to do. They knew what to do. They knew when to do it, and they knew how to do it. Pastor, how were they able to do all of that? They kept an ear towards heaven. To see what God was saying and whatever it is God was saying, they made up in their minds that we can have our plans, we can have our agenda. But when Holy Spirit speaks, we adjust, we adapt, and we do what we need to do. Why? To be able to serve and to minister to the needs and the environments that God has graced us to influence. It was practical. It was intentional. But it was prophetic. Oh, Pastor, what are you talking about? Prophetic. I know we think real deep and we get all we get all real deep and spiritual. We think all spooky. No, no, no. The prophetic is not spooky. If we if we look at the word of God, I know there have been people that done jacked stuff up and just made everything so osmosis and you that you know they just make stuff all weird and just uncomfortable. You ever been in an atmosphere like that? It's just you know God is moving and somebody get the mic and they just make it real spooky and uncomfortable. You like, wait a minute, what is this? This ain't Jesus. 
we made it that if you if you are prophetic, then you got to have prophet before your name. You got to have prophetess before your name. But I thank God there might be some folks that you don't even know. You ain't never heard their name. They ain't got no mic. They ain't got no Facebook page. But they keep an ear towards heaven, and God speaks to them. God shows them things, and they're just seeking. They're just secret undercover agents for the Holy Spirit, and they speak. And when they talk, God uses them. God shows them. That's what we need today. Because here it is, saints of God. The Issachar anointing does not just rest on the pastor. Don't just rest on the elder. Just don't rest on the minister. Just don't rest on the deacon. It rests on anybody that will have their ear. Discipline themselves to have an ear towards heaven to hear what God is saying. And they will come and say, Pastor, God showed me. God said. And we see those things manifest right before us. says it's practical it's intentional but it's prophetic I love it because what allowed the sons of Issachar to be effective in what they did they studied the culture <laughs> oh God help me this morning they studied the culture. They took the time to assess the culture and the world and the society that they lived in and saw the Holy Spirit for wisdom. How do we adjust? How do we adapt? How do we change to minister to the context that we have the power to influence? They had an ear towards heaven to hear. Which means they were a group of people that frequently connected to connected with God through prayer. <laughs> Oh, Pastor, there you go again talking about prayer. Absolutely. There I go again talking about prayer because that is the ingredient that we need to be able to be effective and to serve in this day and age. If the work is going to continue, we have to pray. We have to labor in prayer because I never want to lead a church. I never want to be a pastor where I'm doing this on my own strength. I never want to be a church that we're doing this in our own wisdom, that we're doing this with our own insight that we're doing this with our own strength. Prayer says, God, I can't do this on my own. Prayer says, God, I need you. Prayer says, God, I'm leaning and depending upon you to infuse me with the wisdom, to infuse me with the power, to give me what I need to be able to handle the assignment you placed on my life. We must never stop bringing a praying church. I would rather be a praying church than a famous church. I'd rather be a foul praying pastor than a YouTube pastor. I would rather be a praying church than a church that's just big and great. No, I want to be filled with prayer because prayer leads to power. And whenever there's power in the church, there will be transformation. Whenever there's power in the church, you will see healing, signs, and wonder be common among us. Whenever there is power in the church, lives will be changed. Oh, let, let it be. 
Let it be, let it be, let it be. Our success as a church is not on how many people we can have in the building. Our success in the church is not how many people we have watching live. The success of a church is how many lives have been transformed through the preaching and teaching of God's word. How many lives have been transformed by the Christ and the ministry we've given them. I was talking, I was talking with my prayer partner, Pastor Wendell, Moore, Wendell Martin, this morning. We was praying together. We just talked about ministry. We're talking about he's a moderator for his district, and he's got to travel because churches are closing up. Pa churches are vacant because they got no pastors, and people don't know what to do. Pastors are tired. They said, I can't keep up with all this stuff. And so they're just thrown in the towel. I said, man, I said, Brother Reverend, I said, I said, it's, 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 it's the grace of God that God has kept us over these past two years through this pandemic. I said, man, I said, dude, but I'm realizing that there has to be a continual and consistent diet of prayer in our church because prayer releases the power of God. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. We talk about the old church and how all some of that stuff wasn't necessary, but my goodness, some of those principles that the old church had, my God, let it come alive again in this new era of church because in the old church back in the old day if God did not heal them they were going to die if God did not intervene they were going to lose it all it was in the old church where it was an old wooden building they had no air they had no comfortable seats but they came in with great expectation and believing in God to do signs and wonders where tumors did not just get removed by surgery but tumors dissolved because they prayed and believed God to intervene that it was not just they went to the doctors and their hip got corrected and they no longer have the cane. It was that the power of God would meet that old church mother at the door and they would say your prayer and all of a sudden, bam, they were healed and you had canes and wheelchairs all over the building to be a sign to let people know that where there is power, where there is prayer in the church, power will be released. God, take us back to being a powerful church. God, take us back to be a praying church. God, let signs and wonders be a commonplace that our kids, the next generation of church leaders will know, oh, we're used to this stuff because all the time in service, folks would just get healed doing praise and worship. This is common to us that tumors would just dissolve because we pray and believe God to do the supernatural. God, let us be a church that will not be afraid or undisciplined to pray. Because really, thank you, Holy Spirit. Really, the issue that comes with prayer is two things. We're lazy. Oh, God, help me in this church. We're lazy. And we use God as a magic genie. And we have false teachers and preachers, Fletch, that preach, you sow this seed, you get a husband by tomorrow. You sow this seed, you will be married by the end of the year. You turn around five times, roll underneath two pews, get up, slap five with a deacon, hug a church mother, and you'll be rich. But we fail to teach people to pray. 
we failed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The spiritual leadership has failed to demonstrate what a consistent prayer life looks like. For the church to have as an example to be able to glean from, to become more disciplined in their prayer life. And that we realize, yes, we talk to God just like we're having a conversation with you and I. But the difference is we're talking to an almighty God. <laughs> the difference is we're talking to the man that put the sun, the moon, and the sun in the sky. And though I may have a list of things, Dr. Lane, that I need to have before God, that I need God to do. But I never get so big and in a rush that I come before God and just rush in without saying God I bow in your presence I realize who I'm talking to I'm not just talking to the big man upstairs I'm not just talking to higher energy I'm talking to the king of kings I'm talking to the lord of lords I'm talking to El Shaddai God almighty so excuse me before I come with my list I have to bow before you because I realize I'm nothing and you're everything I have to come before you and acknowledge you for who you are Don't make prayer this fix it quick thing. And sometimes, thank you, Holy Spirit. God's answer is not to fix the thing, God's answer is to fix you. Praying for folks to get more money. No, the problem is, it's not that you need more money. We have to teach stewardship principles so that you can be able to manage what you already have. How are you going to become a holy millionaire and you won't even tithe off the $10 that you get every week? With your stingy, sanctified self. And you want to be a holy millionaire. There is no holy millionaire. God said in his word, if you seek my kingdom first, I will add all other things unto you. That's why we have to study the culture. Because when we study the culture, then we apply the scripture to the culture. And when we apply the scripture to the culture, it gives us a strategy on what we need to teach, what we need to preach, what ministry that we need to do to minister effectively to the context that God has given us. Sons of Issachar, they knew what to do. They knew when to do it. And they knew how. So here it is. We marry our mission and our vision, but we date our methods. We come into covenant. That's what marriage is, covenant. We come into covenant with our vision and mission as the church body. And we say, this is what we believe the Lord has called us to do. And then we take that and we build what we do as a ministry off of that. But we date our methods. Why? Because there would be multiple methods that God may use to carry out the mission and the vision. Come on, saints. Y'all know what it's like to date multiple people. Don't, 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 don't. Before you got saved, you had one here, you had, don't, 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 don't look at me like that today. 
We marry our vision and our mission. Somebody said, that, Pastor, that wasn't me even when I wasn't saved. That wasn't me, Reverend. marry our vision. We marry our mission. But we date our methods. So if it has to change up, the mission doesn't change, but the methods of how we minister may change. Change much, must be a part of the DNA of any ministry for them to continue to be effective in what they do. Change must be a part of the, the part of the DNA of any organization if they want to remain effective in what you have to do. We have a generation of people now that have not grown up in church. They don't know church-isms. They don't know church protocol. They don't know church traditions, but they want God. And we stay in the posture of what do we need to do and how do we do it to minister to those who don't know church, but they want God. We marry mission and our vision but we date our methods marry our vision and our mission but we date our methods even after 119 years the work stills continues because there's still folks that are not saved that need to know the Lord there's still lives to impact there's still conditions and systems that God is waiting to anoint the right voice The right Nehemiah, I love it because as Nehemiah prayed, he was praying to God on what to do, but he come to feel, he come to find out God reverses and say, hey, you're the answer to your prayer that you've been praying, sir. I'm going to anoint you and grace you to continue the work. I'm going to allow my hand to be upon your life. I give you the favor. I will give you the, the, the materials. I give you the people. I give you everything that you need. When you read chapter 1, I love it because as Nehemiah began to pray, he comes before God, and as he's praying, he pauses to confess the sins that they have committed. Nehemiah realized, hey, 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 we want you to do something. We need you to do something. But Nehemiah realized, I know too, we done messed up. That leads to him being the answer 
to his own prayer. Father God, help us to be a church. Help us to be a people that are first infused with your power. Infused with your power. And have a consistent prayer life as a body, as individuals. That we have an ear towards you. How do we reach the masses? How do we influence the context of which you placed us? How do we fight for those that can't fight for themselves? How do we be a voice for the voiceless? I pray now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that whomever desires it, that the Issachar anointing will rest upon their life. It's nothing deep, but it's practical, practical, Father, that whomever desires it, God, that the Issachar anointing will rest upon their life. That you can trust them enough to share your intimate things. I pray, Father God, that we catch our second wind, that we don't get tired. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And where we have grown weary and where we have grown tired, I pray that we don't drop the baton, but that we pass it on. So raise up another generation. Raise up another team. So that the first team can catch their breath, but that the work continues. Thank you for your faithfulness for 119 years. Thank you for the grace. To do ministry even in the climate that we live in now. In Jesus name we pray. And all of God's people said. Come on and clap those hands saints. There may be someone here today. Somebody here today watching online in the building. You don't have you don't have a relationship with Christ. Let today be your day of salvation. Let today be your day of new beginning. Let today be the day that you walk into what the Lord desires for you to be. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And he does not want for the plan and purpose of your life to become bigger than your acknowledgement of him in your life. If you're here and you're not saved, if you're watching online, just inbox and say, Pastor, I want to be saved. And someone from our team will reach out to you. If you're in the building and you're not saved, just meet me down here at the altar. I got my mask in my hand. <laughs> if that's you, if that's you, man or woman of God, if that's you. 
Second invitation, if you're watching online and you don't have a church home, wherever you are, I would love to be your pastor and we would love to be your church family. Just inbox us and say, hey, I want to be a part of Team Hope Well. And we'll connect with you. If you're in the building right now, here it is. Doing life on your own was never the design of God. Walking out your Christian faith was not the plan of God to be done by yourself. But it's to be done with other growing believers. As your aim, as your goal is to become a better follower of him. If you're in the building, if you're in the building right now and you are not saved, and if you don't have a church home, we offer you Christ and we offer you hope well. And listen, I know we ain't did this in a long time, but we're going to clap with expectation that people are walking down every aisle. We're going to clap with expectation. Whether you're a college student, whether you just moved to Carbondale, Southern Illinois area, we would love to be your church. I would love to be your pastor. Don't get tired of clapping. We're going to clap every week with expectation. As if there's people walking down the aisle, people inboxing online. We got one. We're going to clap with expectation. We're going to believe God. Come right here with me, my sister. I'm about to put my mask on. There's somebody else that's here. There's somebody else that's here. There's somebody else that's here. That you need a covering. You, you need someone to walk with you. Let this day be your day. Let this day be your day of a new beginning of a fresh start in your life no matter what you have done the Bible says he will never that's one more we got two I don't hear nobody praising him we got three I don't hear nobody praising him but today is your new beginning today is your first start we're going to keep going we're clapping with expectation as if there's people walking down every side of the aisle whether you're a student whether you're new to the community whatever it is we offer you Christ and we offer you hope well. That today would be your new beginning, your fresh start, and your walking in your relationship with Christ.